through the first 44 games of the 2000-2021 season, the Phoenix Suns have now won 30 games. They are 30-14 and 14 following a four-point victory over the Toronto slash Tampa Bay. I think that's what, yeah, Tampa Bay Raptors tonight as they are marching through their Eastern Conference swing. And, uh, you know, normally I bring in Matthew, but my buddy's not feeling too good. He has one of those migraines. Uh, the bright lights of doing a podcast is a, would be a little rough for him tonight. So thankfully, somebody is stepping in. Somebody's joining me, and that somebody is Brandon, a.k.a. Suns Geek. If it has to do with the Phoenix Suns, he's going to make a video about it, and he's making a video about it with us tonight. So, Brandon, thank you for stepping in for Matthew tonight, and I will apologize in advance if I call you Matthew at any point during the podcast. It's just weird to me to not have Matthew right to my left. Hey, you know what? It's totally okay. First off, get well soon, Matthew. Migraines suck. Yes. And thank you so much for having me on the Suns Jam Session podcast, part of the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network. My name is Suns Geek, a.k.a. Brandon. And yes, if it has to deal with the Phoenix Suns, I'm going to make a video about it. And you know what? We're on the same team. So you know what? I'm Matthew. I'm Brandon. I'm Suns Geek. We're all on the same team. I'm glad we got the dub tonight. Absolutely. I mean, one of those games where it might have felt like it was a little too close for comfort. Uh, another fourth quarter in which the Suns didn't play well. That's two games in a row where they really didn't come out in the fourth quarter and bring uh, the heat and really kind of close teams out. So plenty to talk about relative to that as we move forward through this podcast. A reminder to everybody who is watching along live with us, go ahead and hit the thumbs up button. If you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. We're so close to the 1,000 subscribers. We're at like 950, so maybe you could be the 1,000th subscriber. So <laughs> if you're one of Suns Geeks loyal people, come on, help us out. We could we could use the, the push to 1,000. Go ahead and Hulk smash the like button. Like I say on my channel, please subscribe to the Suns Jam Session podcast. 1,000. Let's do it. Let's do this. Come on, please help us get there. If you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Give us that five stars. We always appreciate that. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Suns Geek on Twitter at Suns Geek. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Suns Jam. So the nice thing, obviously, about this podcast is we'll be done like by almost 8 o'clock my time, which is really impressive. It's it's nice to get a an early game, a 4.30 start, start a really weird start to the game. But uh, you know what? I'm still going to be crushing some beers. I got a Coors Light because I'm real fancy like that. Cheers, All right. You, you, you're loving you're loving those, those uh, uh, amber ales that you got there from Memphis, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's my first uh, Memphis beer. My sister and brother introduced it to me. And, you know, we were drinking, I was drinking this when we were on the uh, the Valley podcast that one night. And uh, yeah. they're pretty good, man. And yeah, I'm like, it's Friday. Sun's just won. Let's just pop a beer, you know? I'm with you. I'm with you. So if you're, <laughs> if you're with us, Suns fans, go ahead and pop them if you got them. Oh, yeah. So crisp. So clean. Let's talk about this Phoenix Suns dub. The Phoenix Suns travel to the Cigar City, which is Tampa Bay, Florida, take on the Toronto Raptors, and ultimately come out with a victory, although it did get a little testy there at the end. As you're watching this game, Suns Geek, I gotta ask, did you feel like the Suns were in control the entire time and they just kind of took their eye off the ball, or did the Toronto Raptors really put together such a strong fourth quarter defensively that it prevented the Suns from executing what they wanted to do, and ultimately they only scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I think you summed it up with what the Raptors did defensively in the fourth quarter. I don't really know if it was necessarily the Suns taking their eye off of the ball. This game was kind of weird. I felt like this game was just full of runs, and since the Raptors were playing really good defense in the fourth quarter, you said they scored 21 points, I think, in the fourth quarter as well. It was a close game. Uh, Fred Van Vliet hit that late three. The Suns couldn't hit a three to save their life. I think Seriously, after maybe though. 
I think maybe after their seventh or eighth three or something like that, that's when they started missing something along those lines. But they couldn't mm-hmm. hit a three. They only finished the game with nine threes, but attempted 36 of them. So really, that was my whole thing. A game full of runs, which we've seen a lot this season from the Phoenix Suns, but kind of really in the NBA, this this league, especially in a COVID year where guys have had so much time to work on their shot. It's just all offense in a way. And, you know, when the Suns can't hit a three, you know it's going to be a long night. The Toronto Raptors, they played great defense. And that's that's basically it, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it is a good defensive team with a championship pedigree. You have Pascal Siakam. You have Kyle Lowry. You have Fred Van Vliet. These guys have been to the NBA Finals. And one of the reasons that they won it two years ago is because they have the ability to play elite defense. And when they really hunker down, they can force you out of your spots. I think what was kind of challenging and and almost frustrating, I want to go as far as say frustrating, but just challenging for the Suns in this game is they did something that they don't normally do, and that's they started to play the game that the opposition was dictating to them. And again, when you're a good defensive team, you can do that. But the Suns, like you mentioned, Brandon, they they shot too many threes. They, they're a team that generally, even though one team, it's almost like rope-a-dope, where one team just keeps shooting threes and keeps you know throwing those jabs with threes. And even no matter how many they make, the Suns typically stay in their half-court offense. They run their sets. They look for their best opportunities. And if a three happens, that's kind of a byproduct of the fact that they couldn't execute their offense. And it's something that we saw early in the season when the Suns started 8-8. Eight and eight. It's one of my observations where the Suns took a long time to get into their offense. And after everything was said and done, there was three seconds left and Jay Crowder had to shoot the three because they didn't run any offensive sets. Now, as the team has grown and they've developed some chemistry together and seen what the different uh, pieces can do, then you can start to see uh, them execute different aspects of their offense. And But tonight, I, I feel like they were still doing that. They were still trying to run their offense. But they, I mean, there were sometimes they'd come down to shoot a three right away. And you mentioned it, nine for 36 from three-point land. They started four for seven. So that means they ended five for 29. And it's almost like, you know, outside of that rope-a-dope, they got, they got rope-a-doped into the, the style and the play that the Toronto Raptors wanted to, to play in. And, you know, ultimately they win the game, which is great. You know, in, in two weeks, we'll look back and this will just be another W. And it won't be like, oh, man, you know, there, there's certain games like we'll reference for, you know, all Suns fans will reference all season long. The Detroit game, the Wizards game, you know, the Orlando game, maybe. But I, I still I'm, I'm not, you know, that that was a team that was ready to have everybody <laughs> leave and pack, pack up their bags and go to different cities the next day after the trade deadline whereas the Suns, i feel like some of those guys were sitting around going i hope i don't get traded um so it was just a kind of a different mental makeup but you know again it was just really interesting how the Suns let the raptors dictate the pace yeah and i feel like they've kind of done that a lot this season you kind of just summed it up by mentioning some of those games that i really don't want to talk about yes because then you'll get a whole Suns geek rants video on your channel (laughs) but And that's what's kind of weird about this game. I know that we started to uh, shoot poorly from three, but the Suns were shooting like 56% at halftime, and they finished the game shooting 47%. And I've said it once before, and I'm going to say it probably a lot more on this podcast and many times in the future. This was a game full of runs, and I really felt like the Suns probably should have just put this game away maybe late in the third quarter because the Suns would go up by 10 points. I think the biggest lead at one point was 14 And that's what's kind of annoying about this team is there's so much potential. I'm not saying the Suns have to win every game by 20 or 25 points, but take care of business. And I understand they're on the road. I don't know. (laughs) Well, well, but, but, you know, a plus is they took care of business. It wasn't necessarily pretty, but these are the games in the past in which the Suns would lose. Exactly. So even though they didn't play pretty, even though they didn't execute consistently the way that we expect them to, they still ultimately are, are hopping on the plane out of Tampa Bay, headed to Charlotte with a win in their pocket when they played ugly. And that's what is nice to see about the Suns is they can win in a lot of different ways. And, you know, they, they can win pretty, they can win ugly, they can fight, they can take it down to the, some of the last possessions and win that way. So the versatility is just another experiential opportunity for the Suns moving forward. So, uh, you know, but you're right, you know, they're up by 14 and that's just the NBA these days. Like exactly. how many times have we been down 14 and we come back and how many times are we up 14 and we give it up? And, you know, I, I used to, it, it's funny. I was talking, uh, we did our podcast last night with flex and he does a lot of content now yeah. outside of, you know, 
the post game show with John Bloom. He's on the he's got a couple radio shows he's on. He's got he's a, a podcast. He is, and he's a he's a plethora of knowledge. But one of the things that we talked about after we wrapped up the show was how hosting a podcast right after a game really starts to change you as a fan. I used to be fanatical and pissed off, and when they when they couldn't win a game, I would just be so frustrated and mad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's but that's what us fans do. You know, yeah. we have those knee jerk reactions, and then when we allow ourselves to process them for a day or even six hours, we're like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, it's not the end of the world. You know, and doing this podcast with Matthew every time after a game, whether it's a win or a loss, you learn kind of how to stay even keeled and really become analytical on the game and see the big picture at the same time. Because these are all just little mini steps in the the quest for a playoff spot, a playoff run, and hopefully and ultimately a championship. So when you see these negative things happen, like like they play so poorly in the fourth quarter, and we're going to go through the Suns lineup, and we're going to talk about some of the different things that we saw and some of the opportunities that existed and some of the the successes that this team had against a tough Toronto defense team. Um, but you you really learn to appreciate. It's like you know what this team. Although they they're not clicking all on all cylinders at all time, not a lot of teams do, and that's exactly. why you know who we are and what we're doing this season is so special. Yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right, and it's it's just one of those things that we we finally got our thirtieth win of the season, and I think the last time we won thirty games was in 2014-15. You know what I mean? So, and I I like to compliment you on this because you said this a lot, you know, in your articles and probably on the pods a lot. Let's just enjoy this, Phoenix Suns fans. We are 30 and 14. We are going to get to the NBA playoffs. It has been a great season despite some bad losses. But I've said this before every single team has had bad losses. Yes. A lot of weird records out there, especially in the Eastern Conference. It's just one of those seasons, COVID or no COVID. It's just one of those seasons, especially with a lot of injuries nowadays and the trade deadline that just happened. A lot of teams are going to be performing weird this week. And let's just be thankful that the Phoenix Suns are fully healthy, knock on wood, and that none of our guys got traded. And it's just an exciting time to be a Phoenix Suns fan right now. And, you know, once again, man, thank you so much for having me on this pod. I love doing this. I wish I could do this more often, you know, go live after we're all busy, man. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But we all got lives, you know, and I I have no life. That's why I do this. <laughs> and just to correct you real quick, the last time the Suns won 30 or more games last season, 34 and 39 after the bubble. So it seems like a lifetime ago. Uh, doesn't it though? Isn't that crazy? I, that's probably why I forgot it because it's it, six months ago and it feels exactly. like forever ago. Yeah, you know, on, on that. <laughs> no, 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 no worries. No worries. As Ryan G says in the chat, Suns Geek is the GOAT. So Thank we're honored you, that you're coming you. and, and helping out while Matthew's sitting at home with his migraine. Poor guy. Anytime um, but, you guys need me. But but going through this game and starting to analyze a little uh, some of the notes that I took down, um, the first thing I noticed, obviously, was the early turnovers, something that is always dangerous when you're on the road. You don't want to give a team that is down and beaten up and has is one and nine in their last 10 an opportunity to start to build some confidence. And ultimately, in that first half, we had 10 turnovers to the tr- Toronto Raptors six. Uh, but we only we ended with 13 turnovers, so they've shored that up in the second half. Only had three second half turnovers. That wasn't necessarily something that hurt them. Um, and another thing that I noticed was the fact that Tory Craig was in the first rotation substitutions. And I know that a lot of Suns fans are really enjoying the performance of Tory Craig. I see your clap and tell me your thoughts on Tory Craig. I just feel like the guy knows how to play. Now, granted, it's been what three or four games, but the guy just knows how to play. Now he's known for his defense. But I feel like he's kind of took advantage of, you know, being on a brand new Phoenix Suns team. And the guy just plays hard. I feel like he's kind of learned our offense quickly. You know what I mean? I just see that out of him. Now, obviously, you know, he might have a few struggles here and there, but the guy just plays hard. He's a good defender. He's been taking his shots. One thing I've noticed is really him cutting to the basket. I don't know why that stood out to me, but I'm really excited for Torrey Craig. Uh, you know, we all know this, that he was one of those guys that when he was with Denver, that he was a big piece of that team when they went to the Western Conference Finals. To be yeah. honest with you, that's kind of how I first knew who he was. I was like, who the hell's Torrey Craig, you know, when he was playing with Denver. But, you know, I'm glad he's a Phoenix Suns now, a Phoenix Sun, and uh, I'm glad that he's on this team. Yeah, he's somebody who uh, he plays with consistency. And again, yeah. it's, all, it's, it's always tough when you get these players who are new to the Phoenix Suns because 
their their first like four or five games, we're just excited. We have a new toy. And that's how a lot of teams are feeling right now after the trade deadline. But you get that new toy and you're like, this thing's really fun to watch and play. And, you know, they, they could do no wrong in our eyes. And it's always about 20 games after that. You really start to notice kind of the intricacies of their game, the thing that kind of frustrates you. I mean, think back to Alfred Payton. When Alfred Payton became a Phoenix Sun, I think in his second or third game, he had a triple-double. We're like, oh, shit, point guard of the future. His hair's all annoying. I, I don't give a shit. so many videos about him, man. I was like, Alfred Payton's on the Suns. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> well, back we, then, that was like all we had. Yeah, know? we had no point guard. We, like, we have somebody who can mm-hmm. distribute the ball and has a little bit of size to him. This is amazing. Exactly. And then by the end of the season, when we didn't bring him back, I don't think anybody was upset because we just saw the inconsistency in his play. I'll go to this season. You look at Abdul Nader. It's the same thing. He's somebody who excited us when he first came in because he was somebody who cut to the basket and actually forced contact. I mean, you look at this game tonight, it's the same challenge that the Suns always run into, okay? When it comes to free throws, they shot nine. Yeah. Nine. And they went nine for nine, 100%. We had zero, I think, at halftime. Yes. I wrote it in my notes. We shot mm-hmm. our first free throw with eight minutes and 33 seconds left in the third quarter. Ugh. So one of those those needs that we have is something that Abdul Nader early in the season was uh, uh, fulfilling. He was driving to the basket. He was creating contact and he was putting the Suns on the line. It was never pretty. It was never beautiful, but it was something that we needed to do. It's something that we needed to address as a team. Now, as time has gone on, we really realized that Dooley is kind of somebody who you don't really like watching in the lineup. He's really, uh, fumbling and stumbling and and kind of all over the place. Like he a has little some, too aggressive. Oh yes, like <laughs> Kelly Oubre was the same thing. A lot. It was a black hole when you passed it to him, and he was going to go to the basket or shoot a three, and it was going to be pretty or ugly. But it, you know, so that's why I've made that comparison before. He's kind of has some Kelly Oubre in his game. He's just not a starter. Then you you bring in Tory Craig, and again, one of the reasons that the Phoenix Suns didn't necessarily make a a trade at the at the deadline is because they had they got Tory Craig last week, right? And you know, you mentioned uh you know, you knew Tory Craig because of what he did in Denver. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was more of, you know, I'll never forget one moment with Tory Craig and that was this moment right here, okay? Let's oh, go boy. ahead and <laughs> let's just uh let's play this one. The pre-COVID days. <laughs> yes, there's fans there. Booker going for the game winner. He goes to his left. On, he goes Book. up, Tory Craig. <laughs> he gets Tory oh. Craig. I think know? that's and when Suns fans all knew who Tory Craig was. Exactly. That was the moment. So yeah. when I heard that we he came and joined our team, I, I was like, oh, that's the guy who blocked Booker's shot. Mm-hmm. Dude, I know he can play some defense on, a, on an elite score. And now that we're seeing him more integrated into the office and, and being a part of those first rotations for the Suns, I'm enjoying that because, like you said, I like that he cuts. He's got that Mikhail cut. He's got the length. Yep. He's got some size and girth to him. He's somebody you can't just push off the block. Like, you know, I love Mikhail Bridges, but on offense, if he tries to do anything, he gets pushed around. Right. Absolutely. And we kind of saw a little bit of that, you know, in kind of this season, but that's just because Mikhail Bridges eventually, he's been hitting the weight room a little bit, but he's not a little bit, little bit. size, you know. And as far as Abdel Nader, I was kind of, you know, that guy that was playing with the new toy. I was really excited for him. I made a whole video talking about Abdel Nader is earning his way into the rotation. And he was, in all fairness, because you know how Monty Williams is. He will reward you if you are playing hard in practice. He'll reward you almost to a fault. Exactly. And that's, you know, I feel like we could have our own full podcast on that subject alone. See Elia Kobo, you know, like. (laughs) And I do like Abdel Nader. I really do. But you got to maybe think uh, the Suns bringing in Torrey Craig on the exception of, you know, we need more help on defense might be kind of a sign or a red flag for Abdel Nader. You know what I mean? And and maybe, again, that's why maybe certain Suns fans were surprised we didn't make a trade on the trade deadline. I'm not saying that Nader was going to get traded, but you get my point. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, Torrey Craig, he's looking good out there. And, you know, I'm cheering for Nader. There's a lot of elements of his game that are good, but, you know, we'll see Well, and, and his time will come again where we'll need to yeah. get three oh, or four yeah. minutes out of him or, or – or 10 minutes, I'm sorry, but three or four games out of him where he needs to be productive. And and I'm right with you. I wrote an article for Bright Side of the Sun said, you know, be like Nader. And essentially it was, I wasn't saying like everybody, like he's the best guy, but like his attitude, that's what we need on this team is we need somebody with an attitude of fuck it. I'm going to the basket. 
And we don't yeah. always see that. And again, we didn't see that tonight, although we did see it tonight and the refs really prevented us. But I'll, I'll get into that subject here momentarily. Who I got to rant on the refs. Um, a, another member of the first uh, rotations was Langston Galloway again. And I got to ask you this, Brandon. Do you think Langston Galloway is officially our backup shooting guard? Has Monty Williams tried enough different rotations, done enough things to get to this point of the season to where we are essentially six-tenths of the way. We're not at the two-thirds mark, but we're just shy of that right now. Do you think that he has, he's finally going, you know what, I think Langston's my backup two guard. If he is, he's going to have to be a little bit more consistent, you know, not only just with his threes, but just with everything, you know, attacking the basket like we've talked about, Mm -hmm. playmaking, and just being that guy, his go-to guy. Because we remember there was a small phase where he wasn't playing, and we were all like, where the hell's Langston Galloway? We need a couple threes. Why isn't he playing? So if that's the case, you know, I'm all for it, but Langston's got to be – this whole team needs to be consistent. You know what I mean? I don't care if you're bringing Javon Carter or Campaign or anybody. It's like these guys need to be consistent. But Langston Galloway, you know, he's a guy that's been around this league for a while. And I remember, I remember when we first got him, I was like – Holy crap, this guy made like the second all-rookie team his rookie year, and it probably got overshadowed because he was on Detroit, and they haven't been very good over the years. Uh, but this guy can play. He's a true professional, one of the biggest sneaker heads in the league. Yeah. So if that's the case, I'm all for it. I mean, he he played pretty well tonight. I mean, 14 point or excuse me, 14 minutes, uh, eight points, hit two threes. And again, if you when Langston Galloway's missing threes. It's a long night for the Suns. Well, and you look up and down the lineup, and he had the highest plus minus. Yeah. And we know plus minus isn't something yeah. that you need to take to the like bank. It. Yeah, I, I I like it over a season mm-hmm. because it shows more. There's you know the more variables in there really shows your impact. But in the game, it's not necessarily uh, something that you live and die by. I think they said what. Kyle Lowry in the game against Denver was like a plus 46. Like, that's just yeah. ridiculous. Like you one know, of his best games of the season. Yeah, it was, it was his best game of his career relative to plus minus. But again, it shows you kind of how and when Monty's deploying him and who he's deploying him with. Is that lineup successful? And he's starting to get more and more minutes. And I agree with you. I, we were all kind of puzzled, not only when he wasn't getting minutes, but when he would come out and get minutes, play in Fuego. I mean, he had 17 points in the first half against the Detroit Pistons, his former team. Mm-hmm. And they didn't play him again. They got two minutes in the second half, and that was it. It's like some of those question marks. But again, I'll chalk that up to Monty Williams doing what he did last season. He's trying to figure out the lineups. He's giving guys opportunities. He's saying, I want to see how they play with this unit and this unit, and I want to see if that's a productive unit. So when we get to the back end of the season, I can solidify my rotations, which is what he did in the bubble, and the team was successful. But I think that we're starting to hit. We're we're not there yet. But we're starting to hit that time of the year where Monty's really going to start to solidify those rotations, and we're going to see these guys coming out regularly because right now it truly is a crapshoot. I mean, we haven't seen Frank Kaminsky in like two or three, maybe four games. Javon Carter, we know, never gets minutes. Etwan Moore, who was playing a ton, isn't playing he at all now. Good too, man. He did. He really did. He he mm-hmm. he could uh, pass the ball. He could play a little yeah. defense. You know, but you're not seeing those guys now. So now we're in like that next phase of him trying these lineups out. And it's just, it's going to be interesting, especially once we hit about that last 20 game stretch to see who Monty wants to solidify. And me personally, I'm somebody who would love to see Langston Galloway get those backup two guard minutes because he can do so much. And he's quick and he's, you know, he's got that quick twitch that each one more is more of a kind of a slow-mo player and more of a distributor versus Langston Galloway. Who's more of a true shooter and can still drive the ball and create a little bit of havoc on defense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if I'm doing my math correctly, which I'm not, uh, <laughs> I think we played um, 11 or 12 guys tonight. And I know that the kind of thing with the Suns team is, oh, they're living and they're dying by the three. But hey, if these lineups get it done, this is the time to execute it. This is the time to see what you got out there, even if it is experimenting with Tory Craig, which again, I'm all for because that dude has been to the Western Conference Finals. Yep. He's been on a championship caliber team and you know like i said langston galloway's got a lot of experience in this league dario sarge has a little bit of experience with the 76ers experiment with these lineups right now especially these closing fourth corner lineups when we're in games that we probably should have put away but we didn't for some reason yeah just this is the it's like audition time you know go out and experiment 
see what happens and hopefully it, it, it ends up in wins absolutely and again that's why you can't overreact to everything that's going on game to game guilty you, i'm guilty too we're suns fans i think we all do that you know sometimes especially when there's a loss like you, there has to be a reason like it's this guy's fault or it's trade this rotation fault trade everybody you know and that's just that's what it's called that's called being a fan you know and that's yeah. what we do but again as we're talking like we're you know the conversation that we're having is really big picture and it's really showing you, you know, in the long run, it's a good thing what Monty's doing and how he's approaching this season. And we're still winning these games. We're still number two in the Western Conference. The one thing I will complain about, and I always will complain about, is the bad refereeing. And, you know, I I will say right now I am a little jaded. Okay, I've mentioned a couple times on the podcast, but I'm in the, the midst right now of putting together an article pertaining to Devin Booker and his technical fouls. He currently has nine technical fouls on the season, so he's one shy of 10. And essentially what I'm doing is I'm setting everything up so once he has his 10th technical foul, I can release the article on Bright Side of the Sun. Mm -hmm. And what I'm doing is I'm I've gone back and I've, I'm analyzing every technical foul that he's got. So know that coming into this game, as I'm you know on the back end of writing this article, I'm really referee biased right now. And I'm going to admit that right off the bat. I'm completely referee biased because as I look at the technical fouls that Devin Booker has accrued throughout the season – I'm trying to, you know, it's hard. I'm saying, okay, are these valid? Almost every one of them is valid. Almost every one. Because he'll do something stupid. He'll throw a ball. Or he'll he'll say something to a ref. Or he'll, or he'll get him. Barking. Yeah, barking, too much barking. chirping. Mm -hmm. But what you do is that when you really start to analyze not just the foul, but everything that's occurred around it, it's almost justified because the referees, they start to take his chirping personal, and they no longer have the ability to be impartial. And as I've as I've navigated all these different fouls, you know, there's one where, for example, Dario Sarge just gets completely hacked on a play against the Nets by Shamit and Jeff Green. Booker's on the bench, and he just stands up and starts barking at the ref, and he steps on the court. So they tee him up. So it makes sense why he got teed up. But it's like the, the non-call is why he got frustrated and upset. And then he, after, so coming into this game with that premise, that I see bad refereeing. Right off the bat, essentially, you know, you have the way that the second half ended where there's a tip or there's a jump ball with 4.5 seconds left on the uh, the shot clock and Denver wins the tip. It gets tipped around a little bit and they finally get a shot off and they hit it with uh, with, you know, like three seconds left in the in the quarter. And it, it ends up being a three point play. Yeah. You know, so it's just like. I, and I could just, I could really go off. I'm like, I was really frustrated, man. I see Booker going down. He's getting hacked. He's getting fouled. No calls. Kudos to Booker for not getting a tech tonight. I thought tonight was going to be the night because they're swallowing their whistles on one end. And then you have the Raptors and kudos to the Raptors. They're a professional team who knows how to draw fouls. Right. Pascal Siakam, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Every play, this guy is screaming. He, if you go back, just go back and watch some of the plays. Every game, he leads with his arm. He goes into the defender he with his arm, creates yeah. the contact, and then mm -hmm. screams. And, like, I just want to make sure he's okay because he might have a scraped knee or something <laughs> or a scab that people are touching. I mean, what did you see tonight from the refereeing? Same thing we've been seeing all season. I mean, you just said it perfectly. You went on a famous Suns Geek rant, and I loved it. I loved every second of it. But Snip that right. and put it on your channel. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm thinking of doing. But you know what? I will say this. I feel like when you say Booker's, you know, valid of all those technical fouls, you're absolutely right. Because I said he's barking, and he does that a lot. And you know what? This is a, another subject for another time, but DeAndre Ayton's guilty of that, too. Oh, yeah. The problem with DeAndre Ayton is that he doesn't get back on defense while he's complaining <laughs> yes. about the foul. But, yeah, it's just I don't know what it is, man. Just the referees always attack the Phoenix Suns. And we can no longer use the uh, Booker doesn't get all-star. Well, I mean, we can, but Booker is an all-star is what I'm saying now. But he doesn't get the treatment that an yeah, all-star should, the, you know? Exactly. There, yeah. there was one play where he, he drove to the basket. He got fouled by some guy I've never heard of. And then he turns and he starts barking at the ref and accidentally kicks the ball and he gets teed up for it. And it's just like, I'm seeing these things and it's just, I don't understand them and i know that every fan of every fan base has the same complaint that i do you know the refereeing in in the nba is garbage i think we all know that but it's just so frustrating to see night in and night out especially when you have a team in the phoenix suns which is last in the league in free throw attempts per game it's more prevalent because you see these plays you see the calls that are happening on one end where a guy's leading screaming and not getting fouled and you know he'll do a spin move not get fouled and they'll call it and then Devin booker goes down 
and there's three guys on him, and they're like, nope, none of them touched him. He just dove to the ground, apparently. Just, I don't understand. Another this. thing, too, that really bugs me is the late whistles. And with yeah. all due respect to Eddie Johnson, Eddie Johnson one time backed up the referees. Like, this is why there's late whistles. I'm like, Eddie, don't, don't, don't be backing up the referees. Yeah, please And I don't. get it. Maybe every once in a while you are going to miss. I get it, you know. These referees are human beings, even though they're not. They are robots who are out to get the Phoenix Suns. But the late whistles bug the crap out of me. That's stuff that I would go on a rant on. But you're 100% right, and we all know this. It's, it's Even before the Phoenix Suns had Chris Paul, there was just some attack against the Phoenix Suns. When it comes to the referees, we get no calls, especially Booker in his early days. It's, it's, and it, it's bad all around the league. Let's be real. It is yeah, bad all around the is. league. It is something that Adam Silver and Commissioner, uh, Deputy Commissioner Mark Tatum need to address, and they need to address it fast. That's the reason all these people on Twitter, whether or not they're trolling, are blowing up the NBA's Twitter and blowing up the NBA referees' Twitter accounts because it's true. I've made videos on it. There's probably thousands of other YouTubers that have made videos on poor officiating. It's bad in the NBA. Fix it, Adam Silver, please. And we've literally lost like two games because of it. I mean, oh, you have the yeah. Denver game where there was a blatant travel they didn't call that led to a three. And then the one that's not so, uh, you know, you don't know if you win the game. But when Dem Booker was fouled on the three-pointer against Gordon Hayward and that would have tied the game. And yeah. again, the, the only reason I really bring this up is because the Suns are 30th in the league in free throw attempts and third in the league in free throw percentage. When we hit the playoffs, we're going to have to have the ability to get to the line. Now, part oh, of this is yeah. the Suns. The way that they play the game, they, they don't yell and scream and, and fall all over the court like other teams. And I, I want to say maybe they should, but then I don't want them to get injured. Like when Mikhail Bridges and Chris Paul went down tonight, how did you feel? Scared. <laughs> Terrified, right? Even they, late in the game when Chris Paul like plopped to the ground, I was like, oh, my yes. God. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he, he just like went down like that. I was like, oh, no. Chris, are you okay? Exactly. <laughs> you know, so – we need to figure something out in, in an effort to try to get to the line more because we're so effective at the free throw line. And when you hit the playoffs, that's going to be free points in the playoffs. I mean, you you can't get better than that. And this team is capable of doing that. So, uh, but they need a little bit of help from the referees. And I think that part of that is you have Devin Booker and just the way that he approaches the refereeing game to game is aggressive. It's mean, and they don't take kindly to it. And again, they allow their emotions and egos to get in the way of what's impartial and call and right. So uh, rant over officially uh, relative to the refereeing for that. Uh, if I can I'm, just I'm say sorry. one thing about uh, the, the Suns free throws too is weren't we uh, statistically like the greatest free throw shooting team of all time last year? And I think that is even correct. this year, I don't have it up in front of me right now, but I think we got to be at least in the top 10. We all know Devin Booker's a great free throw shooter. That's the end of my rant. So the fact that the Suns are one of the greatest free throw shooting teams of all time, especially last year, and in this game, we're going to the line nine times, and all season we struggled with it. Man. Yeah. We average uh, 18 free throws a game. We shoot 83.1%, which is good, good for third in the league prior to this game where we went nine for nine. So, I mean, that's going to jump up, too. Somehow so. we're top five. Like, I yeah. Don't, I don't understand it. Yeah, it, it just in percentage, but not math. in attempts. So, it's it's a bunch of, yeah, good old math. <laughs> Professor Suns Geek is here. Exactly. Um, well, it's that time of the podcast that I know everybody's here for. This is Eight and Watch, sponsored by nobody. So if you want to sponsor Eight and Watch, let me know. We actually, you can go to the the uh, Suns Jam Session Redbubble page. We have some pretty cool merchandise for Eight and Watch. But uh, as we look at our buddy DeAndre Ayton, somebody who is always the polarizing topic of discussion for Suns fans wherever you go. I know you you made a video recently about like the hard truth about DeAndre Ayton. Mm. I bet you want to take that back a little bit now because he's he's you know like when I wrote an article about Dario Saric being the sixth man of the year, he hasn't done shit. Mm. And then you wrote like or, or you did a video about DeAndre Ayton, the hard truth about like yep. he might not just be it. Now he's just like okay, like I'll play a little better, not great yet, but still a little better. But as you look at DeAndre Ayton tonight and his performance against the Toronto Raptors, he ends the night 19 points on 9 for 12 shooting with 9 rebounds and 2 blocks, including one big one in the fourth. Uh, what did you see tonight from DA? Let's be real, man. He went right on Suns Geek's YouTube channel and saw that video, and he immediately entered practice. Let's well, thank you. Real. Make another one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I should just make a hate video on mm -hmm. DeAndre Ayton every single game, and that way he'll be the best center uh, in the NBA, but realistically, he has been playing well. 
And even in that video, even though it, you know, it's controversial and I kind of was trashing on him, I still gave him credit where credit is due. And, you know, let's be real. He did have that late block late in this game. And if DeAndre, and if he is struggling on some nights, show up in the fourth quarter. Get things done in the fourth quarter. Block shots in the fourth quarter. Be aggressive and grab rebounds. You know, we we don't need, even though a lot of Suns fans, kind of, I guess, including myself, want DeAndre Ayton to average like 20 and 15. God, that just may nice. not happen right away. So, you know what? Let's let Ayton get his numbers. Let's let him grab rebounds. He's been more aggressive. He's been attacking. And the Raptors, they do got size, but it's not like Joel Embiid's out there or anything. So he no. took advantage. <laughs> and he's been taking advantage, especially his past few games. And I, I thought he played pretty well tonight. Yeah, I, I definitely liked what I saw from Aiden. A, a lot more aggressive. Again, 12 shots. Yep. You know, one of the things that has been a challenge for DA this entire season is it it's simply comes down to volume for the guy. You know, I mean, he's somebody who last season had obviously a career year in his in his short career, but he averaged 18.2 points per game on 14.9 shots. That's down to 10.4 shots a game this year. So that's why he's at 14.7 and just shy of 11 rebounds. So if you gave him a little bit more opportunity, you fed him a little bit more and or he can catch a few passes underneath the basket, yeah. he would have the ability to really start to put up those numbers. So put up 12 shots, DA, you're, we get 19 points. I like that. What frustrated me about the Suns in this game was in the back half of the six or the, the, uh, the fourth quarter with six minutes left and DA checks back in. And they didn't really feed the big fella. They didn't give him a chance. And there was opportunity. Chris Paul was running some high pick and rolls and was choosing to shoot the shots himself. Devin Booker was getting double teamed and trying to get out of him. And you'd have DA cutting towards the basket. And he, and, and he would just see it just a little too late. And I'm not going to fault Devin for that. I mean, he had the double coming at him. And it's something that he's definitely excelled at this year is passing out of double teams. You just didn't happen to see him. But there was plenty of opportunity for them to really feed DA, who, like you said, was feasting. When you got Aaron Baines playing on you, somebody you've played in practice, I'm sorry, Aaron Baines. As much as we love him, loved him as a Phoenix Suns, uh, sorry, I'm sorry, Phoenix Suns player. He's not a great defensive player. He's yeah. not, you know, the all an all the NBA defensive player. He's just a big body. You know, he's somebody a lot of people have talked about. Well, if they buy him out, we could bring him back. We could. I don't know if I I would really want that. You know, I'd rather keep other assets on this team versus bringing Aaron Baines back. Maybe I'll ask you that and see how you feel on that. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like, and Sunstock says in the chat, he says, CP3, just hold the ball too long at the end of the game. And he, they should have been trying to give eight in the ball and let him go to work a little bit. You know, do some of that pass down into the block, let him bounce down twice, see if a double comes, let him pass because he's a great passer. If that doesn't work, let him pass out. Yeah. And then kind of play the offense that way. And then it wouldn't have been as close as they as it was. Instead, they held the ball forever, put up bad shots, and essentially let Toronto back in the game. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. And you know how I was kind of talking earlier about like our lineups and rotations. Same thing with DeAndre Ayton. This is the time where we need to see what DeAndre Ayton can do, especially late in the fourth quarter. And I agree with you. I mean, the Suns, in all fairness, maybe Ayton would be having a better season if the Suns did get him the ball more. But unfortunately, in my opinion, not sorry to play devil's advocate here. Of course. I think just Aiton just needs to be more consistent night in and night out, especially when he actually has the ball in his hands. And of course. yes, him catching the ball kind of has been an issue his whole career. I'm like, man, this guy needs to go hang out with Larry Fitzgerald for a week and learn how to catch <laughs> the damn ball. That's just my personal opinion. I but, like I mean, it. But again, you might be 100% right. If the Suns got the eight uh, ball, excuse me, if the Suns, Got DeAndre in the ball more consistently. That would first off boost his confidence. And we've seen what a confident DeAndre Ayton can do. It's his numbers great. would go up. He would be more aggressive. And he needs to take advantage on nights like this when, again, there's no Joel Embiid out there. You know, Aaron Baines, he's a big body, but Ayton knows how to play against Aaron Baines and Pascal Siakam. You know, he should be dominating out there. And he again, he had a great night. So hopefully that answers, you know, what we're talking about. But Props no, to Aiden, you know, he, he's playing good. He has to continue to do it, especially on nights where, you know, there's not like a huge matchup out there. Yeah. And you look at how he's played uh, just in his last 13 games coming into this game. OK, 16.6 uh, points per game. He has the eight rebounds um, and again, 10.7 assists. And I really think that there's an opportunity for him to start feeding him. Now, now if you back that out, and just go to the last three. He had 21 and 11 in the last three games. And then you add 19. Uh, points and nine rebounds tonight so again the consistent you know we're, maybe we're seeing one of those good da stretches yeah. the whole the hope is we see that stretch go just for a very very long time instead of four right. games here three games here it's like you said 
his inconsistency is probably the number one frustration for Suns fans because we've seen the potential that he has and we can see and, and we see what he could be. And you look at his performances and you go, man, like we just overanalyze him. You know, it's yeah, if, if Mikhail Bridges has a bad game, we don't talk about it because we love Mikhail because he was the number 10 overall pick or 11 overall pick. But because he's the number one pick, he's always going to have to carry that weight on his shoulder as, as a member of the Phoenix Suns. So, you know, again, a solid game for DA. We hope that he keeps it up as he goes and plays the Charlotte Hornets in the next game. Um, but it's again, nice to see because this is, He's been consistent in the last three games. He's been or now now four games. He's really been playing well. So uh, kudos to Da on the way that he played tonight. Um, you look at the starters in this game, and you know let's talk a little bit about Devin Booker. You know he did have a lot of times when he went down to the paint. And I already kind of bitched about the refs. So I'm not going to do that. Um, but only end of the game six for fourteen shooting and sixteen points, and he had nine at halftime. What happened to Devin Booker in the second half? Like, was is Kyle Lowry that good at defense to where he just shut him down completely? I'll kind of use a cop out answer to this. If Devin Booker can score sixteen points, or in some games just twenty, and we go on to win, I think the Phoenix Suns are pretty damn good at basketball. But you Hell are yeah. right. It's funny you beat me to the question. I was like. What did you think of Devin Booker? I feel like Devin Booker didn't even really play. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe it was Kyle Lowry locking him down. Maybe he just had an off night. I mean, six for 14 shooting. I'm looking at the numbers right now. Yeah. Uh, 16 point that six, 16 points to Devin Booker is more like six points. You know what I mean? So again, I'm glad we got the win. But Booker, 16 points in 34 minutes. I don't know what happened. <laughs> it's got to be the defense. I mean, you yeah. look at you look at how. Um, Kyle Lowry was just in his shorts the entire time. I mean, he was pesky the whole time. They were throwing the doubles at him. You have the long guys in uh, OG Ananobi and Pascal He's Siakam. A good too, OG. Yeah, he is. He really is. And when you yeah. try to switch off of Kyle Lowry and onto one of those guys, it's just more problems. Throwing some double teams and some pressures. And yeah, unfortunately, you're going to get one of those nights from Devin Booker. But then you have the likes of Chris Paul next to him, and he's the one who benefited from that. You know, he's the guy who essentially gets Gary Trent Jr. guarding him, and he another takes advantage of that. Too. You know, another good player who they got in the trade. So, yep. uh, but Chris Paul, 19 points, eight assists, six rebounds. You know, close to the triple double, eight for 16 from the field. So, uh, 50 percent shooting, not the most efficient from your guard, but still something that's acceptable. Uh, and what I liked from him is he only had, you know, he had the two steals and he only had two turnovers. And in a game where I felt like early, everybody was turning the ball over. He's really the one who dictates pace, slowed the game down enough to where the ball, uh, the, the Phoenix Suns weren't being careless with the ball. And that's the reason they only had three turnovers in the second half. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I was one of Devin Booker's biggest critics when it came to Devin Booker and his turnovers. He did have four in this game, but that's okay. Cause he's really learned to clean those up. And you kind of said it. I mean, Chris Paul took over this game. He was the player of the game. You know, he played well statistically. He took control of the game. And it's funny, you know, I like how the Phoenix Suns are playing at the slow pace because we're so used to, you know, run and gun, seven seconds or less Phoenix Suns. Even Phoenix Suns of the past decade played at a really fast pace. But what mm -hmm. I like is the Phoenix Suns attack. And they kept attacking at this game. Chris Paul played great. I remember when Devin Booker was out for like what four or five games that Chris Paul basically carried us. Oh yeah, he carried it. He carried us offensively, and I feel like tonight was one of those nights. So I'll say this again: the fact that Devin Booker had 16 points and the Suns win. I don't care if the Suns would have won by one or if they would have won by 20. The Suns won, and Booker had a bad night. Let's be real. But props to Chris Paul. That's why he's a Hall of Famer. No, absolutely. And, you know, again, uh, I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again and then I'll say it again that I said it before. <laughs> uh, I really like the way that the Suns team plays and sacrilegious as it may be, they remind me a lot of those mid 2000s San Antonio Spurs teams. They have the ability to slow it down and beat you defensively and force the issue and force you to play their game. And I think that's, exactly. again, what kind of was a little bit frustrating about this game tonight against Toronto was the fact that we allowed ourselves to fall for what the Suns used to, and we would allow others to dictate pace and impose their will upon us. Uh, and again, even though that happened tonight, the Suns still pulled out a victory, which is absolutely huge. So uh, kudos to the Suns. They have now 30 wins on the season. They're 30 and 14. And it's the time of the podcast where, first and foremost, I remind everybody who's watching to go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review if you're on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network. And if you're watching along live on YouTube, please hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the subscribe button. And if you're watching on Twitter or Facebook, go to YouTube 
and then hit the subscribe button, hit the thumbs up button. Let's get you guys to a thousand subscribers. Let's get the Suns Jam session to a thousand. We're getting so close. We're getting <laughs> so close. Jam star of the game. So if you are watching along live with us, you can let us know who your jam star of the game is tonight uh, against the Tampa Bay Raptors. You ever been to Tampa Bay? I have not. <laughs> I don't really travel that much. <laughs> Ran- random question. I, I, the only reason I ask is I have been to Tampa Bay. I did training there once for like a week. Uh, and it's a very interesting city. It's right there on the water. It's across from Fort Lauderdale. And uh, I just don't like Florida overall. So um, to all the jamsters who are from Florida, I do like you, though. So taking a look first, we'll go through our, our jamsters and see what they're saying. Uh, Khalid says CP3. Um, Coda Kid's going to give it to DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Sun's Jam Session is sponsored by Reddit from DW1707. <laughs> That's incorrect. That's actually the Timeline Podcast. They do a great job over there. That's Mike Vigil and Sam Cooper. Yeah. And those guys are pros on you know on Reddit. And uh, yeah, uh, give them a listen. Those guys are great. They had Kevin O'Connor on not too long ago. I absolutely yeah, love awesome. the, the Shout Timeline. Out to the Timeline Podcast. Those guys are great. And they they're both fan- follow us too. So they're. They're they're the homies, you know. Yeah, but they're like they're very intellectual basketball fans. I'm like, dude, he yeah. fucking fouled him. They're like, okay, here's the why the reason why the foul happened. The pick that was set on the right side, which you know, and they have like they know all the terminology because but, his hand hit his arm. Yeah, so ah, smart, smart. <laughs> Shout out to the timeline. Uh, Take hand says Aiton. The boogie trend says Chris Paul. Uh, you got Alex Cole in the chat. He says Da. Um, Walter Lazo says Jam Star goes to CP3. So you're getting CP3 and Aiden. The one thing nobody's doing is giving it to Book tonight. I know that. Um, Roy gives it to Aiden or CP3. You got, uh, let's see, a burner account says Suns Geek is the MVP. Yes. So <laughs> you might be the MVP, but this is the Jam Star. So um, kudos there. Uh, the Laser Show gives it to Aiden. Uh, we'll give a couple more in here and then we'll give our takes. We have Arnie Pestanas gives it to Aiden. Um, so who you said earlier, you think it's, uh, CP three. Is that your final answer? Suns geek CP three, honorable mention Deandre. Ayton. I like it. I don't think I can disagree with you on this one. Really? I mean, I really, I mean, they both went for 19 points each. Uh, they played very well. You know, Jay Crowder was three from 11 from, from the field and two for nine from downtown. So he didn't really have one of his Jay Crowder on nights mm-hmm. and no one from the bench truly, uh, shown, you know, you had Dario Sarge had eight, as did Langston Galloway. You had Cam Johnson at seven, and then both Torrey Craig and Campaign had four apiece. You know, again, it's 104 total points that the Suns scored, so it's not like you're going to see huge 40-point performances, and if that's the case, then they scored 40%. So I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to you know say CP3 with an honorable mention to DA gets the jam star of the game. So there's that. And then next up, let's go with uh, thoughts. Um, brains? So this is the segment in which we talk about things around the NBA and how they might essentially affect the Phoenix Suns. Um, the first thing I wanted to bring up, and you know, this is something you might remember from your time when you lived in Phoenix, but uh, there's a little Vietnamese restaurant right around the corner that I get fr- uh, dinner from all the time. And this was a 4.30 game, so I stopped there on the way home from work. I called in the order, went, picked it up. And one of the coolest things is when I went in there, they always have two TVs in there, and they had the Phoenix Suns game on as I walked in. And I got to tell you, that was a moment for me as a Suns fan. Okay. I remember Booker's 70-point game. Matthew and I were at the Buffalo Wild Wings at yeah. Chandler Fashion Square. And, <laughs> and, and and it was during the, the March Madness, you know, because it was March 24th, yeah, March, 2017 or whatever. Right? Yeah, I think it was 17. 2017, yeah. Yeah. Every TV in that place was on some version of a March Madness game. Mm-hmm. And I remember, um, was it Malik Monk? It was De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox played for Kentucky, and so that game was on. And Matthew and I are like in the corner asking for the Suns game. We're the only two people watching the Suns game. (laughs) And one of the disadvantages of being a a Suns fan in Phoenix is whenever you go somewhere, you always have to ask them to put the Suns game on. And to walk into this little Vietnamese restaurant to go get my food and to see both their TVs on the Suns game shows me what's happening right now with the Phoenix Suns. So outside of all the shit that we get angry about, all the pluses, all the minuses, all the positive, all the negative, that right there was such an amazing moment because it's like, you know what? The Phoenix Suns are making an impact to where even the most casual of fans is watching. And it's just great to see, man. Man, I'm, I'm glad you told that story because trust me, I've been there. I'm sure many, many other Suns fans have been there. Even if you just go to like a bar for those who are 21 or older. It's like you have to ask to turn on the Phoenix Suns game. 
in the past. So yep. that's really good to see. And that's why I've said this like a couple times in my video and I say it to, you know, Suns fans, you know, whether it's in person or on Twitter or whatever, I'm like, wear your Phoenix Suns gear out in public. Like, tell people about Amen. this team. Like, I'm a walking advertisement Me for too. the Suns team. If you can't, yeah, by both of our backgrounds. <laughs> but even, you know, when I did live in Phoenix, even, when, you know, I'm temporarily living in Memphis, I'm a walking advertisement for this team. And, like, yeah, it's, I, I know that I have a Suns Geek channel. You guys have your great podcasts and everything. But it's like, I would do this if I didn't do that. I was doing that before. My whole life. Like, yeah, like, wear your Phoenix Suns gear. Tell people about the Phoenix Suns. Tell them how great they are doing. And you're, you're 100% right, man. I, lo I love that story you told. And I like what Arnie says in the in the chat. He says, if we get to the finals, I'm going to Phoenix. I live in the Bay. Fuck oh, the dubs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But that's it's what like, it's about. It's represent the, the Phoenix playoffs, Suns. Like, I'm going to be there. I'm going to go for at least one game, especially probably that first playoff game. I'll oh, be hell yeah. Have you ever been to a Phoenix Suns playoff game before? I, I have not. I've <laughs> been to one. And it was game one of like the 2010 first round, the, the round in which we swept the Spurs. Yep. I took my mom to that game. And uh, that awesome. was really, that was really, really special because, uh, you know, my mom and I love sports and, you know, we go to every Dimebacks season opener and all that fun stuff. And I'm excited because on the ninth, I get to go with her again. Um, awesome. One other thing, obviously, I wanted to bring up is, you know, the trade deadline, everything happened. Uh, I put a piece out there on Brightside today talking about how, you know, have faith in James Jones and he did the right thing. And then one of the guys that I really, really, really like as a buyout candidate was bought out. And that's Gorgie Jang from the Memphis Grizzlies. So if you don't know who this guy is, you look at his name and it gets very intimidating. Um, but he's somebody I really think that the Suns need to focus in on. I was actually on the Locked On Phoenix Suns podcast with Brendan Clean probably about two or three weeks ago, and we were talking about the trade deadline and somebody that he brought up as a potential target. Mm -hmm. And I never really thought about it. We had just beaten Memphis the night before. He's a guy who Devin Booker almost got into a fight with when he played for Minnesota, and De Booker's rocking the headband. So he's like, they both got thrown out of the game. He's like, I'll meet you in the <laughs> locker room. They started running back there. It was you know, so if you remember that altercation, that's who this guy is, Gorgie Gorg, Chang. Um, but do Sounds you know anything about the name? Yeah, tell me about <laughs> it. But I mean, you live in Memphis, you have access to that team. Is there anything you have? Ha do you know who he is? Have you seen him? And do you think he'd be a good fit for the Phoenix Suns? I do know who he is. I don't know like everything about his game, but he's a buyout candidate for a reason. And okay. if we can get yes. him, yeah, exactly. He's a buyout candidate for a reason. If he can just do what the Phoenix Suns need, ask him to do, which is what I'm assuming is come off of the bench, play big minutes when DeAndre Ayton is struggling, get rebounds, block shots. And by the way, the whole like altercation with Devin Booker, I'm not personally too worried about that because, you know, Devin Booker had a little bit of uh, Instagram beef with Jay Crowder. Exactly. Remember the whole Troy Daniels thing a while back yep. too? Yep. That was never an issue chemistry is not an issue with this Phoenix Suns team thank god so <laughs> and again even if they don't like each other learn to like each other on the court you don't have to be hanging out with each other and again I, I could probably do a little more homework on him but those are just my thoughts just bring him in for a good price and if he can help us go really far in the playoffs I'm all for it and the buyout market's going to be insane I hope trust James Jones you guys trust yes. James Jones well, and the challenge with the buyout market is the fact that you do have to give something up, just like a trade yeah. would be. We have to say goodbye to somebody on this Phoenix Suns roster that we love ever so much. But if you look at Gorgie Jang and, and kind of uh, uh, who he is, he's an eighth-year guy who is from Louisville. He's six foot ten, two fifty-two, center slash power forward. So he wow. definitely meets the body and archetype of somebody who the Suns need. Because, like you said, you know, probably about once every five games, maybe eight games, DeAndre Ayton gets into some foul trouble. And if that happens, Dario Sarge can't carry the load coming off of the bench. So or if you Frank can get Kaminsky some, or, yeah, and and Frank Kaminsky is is, is a turnstile at defense. Yeah. You look at Gorgie Jang, and he's somebody who has more affinity for defense. In his in this year with Memphis, seven point nine points per game. Uh, he has four point five rebounds, and all this is in sixteen point nine minutes. So if you look at essentially his his per thirty six numbers this season, and Lord knows when that he will never get thirty six. But he's averaging 16.8 points per game, 9.5 rebounds, and he also has 1.4 blocks per game. So he's somebody who you know has a, a defensive rating this year of 107. That's really, really good. 105 last year, 107 the year before. You know, his whole career, he's a 107 defensive rating guy per 100 possessions. 
And, you know, so if you don't know how that works, it's how many points you give up per 100 possessions. And if you, the closer you are to 100, the better on defense. So he definitely meets those needs that the Suns have. He's somebody who was bought out by the Memphis Grizzlies because, you know, he just he makes a little too much money. He's making $17 million this year. So they bought that out. This is a guy who the Suns would have to trade two or three guys to get. He's a buyout guy. Now, now, like you said, Brandon, mm-hmm. he's a buyout guy for a reason. So there's, you know, he doesn't mesh well with that team, but they also have a lot of bigs in Memphis. And with Triple J coming back soon, there's just no room for Gorgie Jang with them. So yeah. this could really be somebody. What, what, the moment I saw that he was on the market, I'm like, this is yeah. who the Suns need to go and get. Now, my question to you if the Suns were to go get Gorgie Jang, who on the Phoenix Suns would you give up? That's, <sighs> That's the a great tough one. question. Um, I'm going to kind of cop out my answer here. And I, I absolutely love this player on our team and everyone. Fans, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't, I, I wouldn't give up anybody, but if I have to answer, you might have to maybe pick on the second rookie on this team who people forget about Tyshawn Alexander, mm. who can also play a lot of defense. People forget about him because he's been in the G league barely he's played this season. I don't know if I'd want to get rid of Etwan Moore because we saw what he can do in that small stretch. I don't know if I'd want to get give away Frank Kaminsky because slander all you want, Frank Kaminsky haters, but the Suns are, what, 11-2 and two with him, but he hasn't really played. He's fallen out of the rotation. So I guess if you're bringing in him, it'd probably have to be Frank Kaminsky. That's my cop out answer. No, nah, see, question. I think I, I think I think you keep Big Frank. I really do. I think that you know chemistry morale guy. I definitely think he he's knows that. The offense too. Um, uh, one of our buds from the Valley Podcast is in here. Hey. Coach Evan B's in. He says Tyshawn Alexander. He yeah. agrees with you. And I feel um, bad because that I don't kid... know if you can. I don't yeah, know if yeah. you can cut him. Doesn't he, isn't he a two way contract guy? Yeah, but I thought you could just get rid of him. Like I don't know. I just well, I guess you can get rid of anybody. Yeah. What about Nader? Oh, I totally forgot about Nader. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Thankfully, again, this is why James what? Jones gets to make yeah. these decisions and not us. Yep. And again, but you might be right about Nader. I totally forgot about that because, again, you did bring in Tory Craig. I don't think you'd get rid of Tory Craig either. Like, no, hell no. To me. no, 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 no. Tory yeah, Craig, wouldn't make any, yeah. he, he's a when you need a defensive lineup oh, in the yeah. playoffs in the third quarter to shut a, something down. Tory Craig's in there. I don't know um, why I picked on Etwan Moore, but I just but I agree with you. E, yeah. but, but see, here's the reason for Etwan Moore. And Khalid says in the chat, he says our man Javon no. and no one is a bigger <laughs> fan than Javon Carter than <laughs> I, I am. But look at it this, like this. OK. <laughs> The Suns are stacked at guard. That's what yeah, James right. Jones did this offseason is he got a lot of his veteran minimum contracts to be these guard guys. So you have Booker and then CP3. Then you got Langston Galloway and Etwan Moore. And you have Campaign and you have Javon Carter. And you, I mean, so you have all these guards. So one of them might have to go. And that's, you know, because with Nader, the case to keep Nader is you can never have too many wings in the NBA. You can never have, and he can play a little bit of defense, and he could come in for five minutes and you know make a couple idiot fouls. You know, he's the guy you can throw in there. Yeah, exactly. But if but if you're going against somebody who likes to drive to the basket, he's the guy who can sit there and just throw a couple hard fouls on him and remind him like, uh, 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 you can't do that. I mean, that's not really how the Suns play. But again, these are the reasons that uh, James Jones gets paid the way he does. And who knows if he's going to go after Gorgie Jang, but that's somebody who I think the Suns should really target. And I I hope that uh, we have the ability to bring him to this team because I think that's exactly what we need. A lot of people talk about Andre Drummond. There's no way that's going to work here. He's going to want starter minutes because he wants to get (laughs) – Oh, did you? Well, then you are wrong, my friend. (laughs) Well, and here's the reason why. I'll counterpoint whatever you said on your video. I'm sorry I missed that one. I I, I normally do a good job. It was a busy time when I put that video out. But I basically just said, like, He's available, and maybe he could come in for defense and rebound. But you're right. I even said that. I'm like, I don't know how he'd fit in with the minutes. He would. He wouldn't really help with our offense. He wouldn't help space the floor or anything. So, but go ahead. I cut if you he off. came in here and it completely and utterly accepted the role, it's like, listen, yeah, you're going to be our backup five sometimes. Because exactly. playing Dario as a backup five really does work. It hasn't worked over the last five games, but it really does work because the style and hustle in which he plays. He's an annoyance. He's somebody who can get under the skin of the opposing center and ultimately get what we want from the team, and he can handle the ball in a little point Dario scenario. If Andre Drummond completely and utterly accepted that, he would. But you know what he wants? He wants to go somewhere like the Los Angeles Lakers where he can start. 
because yep. Marcus Gasol is not the answer for them. He can start there. He can go and potentially win a ring there, and he yep. could definitely put up enough of a statistical line that'll make him valuable going into free agency next year. And that's ultimately what he wants. He doesn't want to come to Phoenix, average you know ten minutes a game, and get you know six rebounds, and then try to go you know get one more big contract in his career. It just won't happen for the guy. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And that's what's kind of confusing about the spy out market, especially with James Jones, with all due respect to James Jones, who deserves so much credit and way more credit than he's getting. But he's very True. secret, very secret. You know, he doesn't really. Yeah, he never lets anything yeah. out. I love that. <laughs> Even, you know, when he's on the major news and all that, he's he's never like, hey, I'm going to go do this. And we're interested in this guy. No, yeah. like he. that's why we haven't heard anything with buyout markets in the Phoenix Suns or even the trade deadline. Yeah. And by the way, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Coach Evan B, who was in here. I'm not sure if they're watching, but uh, they are part of the Valley podcast, which you and I were both on. Yeah, they do a uh, great they're, job. They're, they do great work over there, and they're they're growing fast too, just like you guys. So shout out to the Valley Podcast. Yeah, go they're check them out too. Yeah, they're awesome. The, the, guys. the challenge is they go live after games right when we do. So yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they we'll figure something out. We'll figure something out. Uh, Walter Lazo asks, "Do you guys like Aldridge? What are your thoughts on Aldridge?" He's Hold a on, Hall let me. We're, we're 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 about to hit an hour, so let me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Still got a little bit left here. So he's a Hall yeah, of Famer, man. but does he fit on this team? I don't know. Um, I really don't know. And I wish I did know because he is getting older. He is. I, I don't really know because that's, I mean, he can score. He can do a lot of things down in the paint. You can grab the rebounds, but he's not the LaMarcus Aldridge that he was in Portland or even in his early days uh, in San Antonio, you know, and, and again, how, how much would the asking price be? Is he even sniffing us? Are we even interested in him? You know what I mean? There's just so many questions with LaMarcus Aldridge. It'd be nice on paper. Like, oh, my God, the Suns got LaMarcus Aldridge, but would it actually work? And that kind of goes back to what you were saying about uh, Andre Drummond. Like, what kind of role is he going to play here? Would he accept that role? How would that work with DeAndre Ayton? How would that work with this current team? And who would we have to let go? I'll, I'll tell you this. Here's my thoughts on Aldridge real quick. Okay. Yeah. He's somebody who in the past was fantastic. And yeah, would he have the ability to fall into a role like we need him to yeah. the challenge that you have with LaMarcus, LaMarcus Aldridge above all else is the fact that his defense just doesn't exist anymore. Right. I mean, and, and that's what you need him for. You want defense when Especially on this team. Well, exactly. And this team is defensive minded. So when Deandre Ayton comes out of the game, you know, we don't look for our center to be the guy who puts up 12 points coming off the bench. It's not how we operate. We rely on our guard play and our wings coming off the bench. We've got Cameron Johnson who can shoot threes. We've got Campaign who can distribute and shoot. we got Lacey Galloway who can shoot. So we just need somebody down low to get some rebounds uh, when we miss those shots and play defense on the other end. And I don't think LaMarcus Aldridge follows those kind of uh, is, is what we need. And, you know, last thing before we get out of here, R says in the chat, develop sticks. In a perfect world, that's great. But unfortunately, on this team, when we're the number two team in the West, we don't have time to develop him. I really wish they actually let him stay down in the G League a little bit longer and really start to work on his game because he needs it. You know, you've said it multiple times. I've said it multiple times. Coming out of the you know the last off season where there's no preseason, you know, or there's a, a muted preseason where there's no training camp, no all the rookies. League. No summer league. I mean, the, mm -hmm. a big man needs time to develop. The, that's why you look at the MVP. I'm sorry, rookie of the year candidates, and they're all guards. Yeah. Because the guard game translates much easier to the NBA they're than the big, the big man. <laughs> yeah, they're all on bad teams, getting playing part. time, and they're yeah. allowing their the opportunity to develop. Yeah. Whereas a big and 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 Jalen Sticks is lost on defense. Let's just face yeah. it. You know, he's somebody who has the ability to play good defense, but NBA schemes and the way that they play at such a faster pace, you can literally see him out there in the the you know minimal time you see him play, his head's turned the whole time. He has no idea where the fuck he's supposed to be. So uh that's that's my thoughts on sticks. In some someday he's gonna be gonna, gonna be the answer. In a, you know, in a year after we go through next season where he gets a summer league in and he gets a full preseason and he starts to get more minutes. Everybody will see why James Jones drafted him, but it's just not this year. It's not this this time. So um, I think that's all we have to talk about on this podcast. Oh, let me get a couple more things in here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have all my fun little drops. So let's do the guess what? 
So there's a game that Matthew and I like to play. It's called Who Wins? And uh, this past game, both Matthew and I called the Suns winning. So I'm now 17 and 12 on the season, and he is 20 and 9. Up next, we have the Horny Hornets on Sunday. It's going to be 10 a.m. Arizona time. So uh, wake up with the Phoenix Suns, and then by about noon, you'll be hanging out with the Suns Jam Session podcast. Uh, so I did text Matthew before he came, and he said, let Suns Geek make my pick for me. Yeah, so, Brandon, what what will it take for you to call, to pick the Hornets and for me an opportunity to gain a game on Matthew? Well, <laughs> I remember uh, when we first played the Hornets earlier in the season, I kept telling people, I was like, that's kind of a trap game because the Hornets Absolutely. are having a good season with or without LaMelo. That is a completely new team than what we've seen in the past. They're fun. They're exciting. They got Gordon Hayward for a reason. So maybe I'm going to pick the Hornets because we did lose to them, I think, by one point on that terrible officiated game, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I have to go with the Suns, though, right? But do okay. I have to play devil's advocate and pick the Hornets? But again, I wish I could bribe trap you. Game. Trap game. But here's the difference. No LaMelo ball. Exactly. That's what killed us at the end of that game was they figured out if they run those high ISOs on and switches to get DeAndre Ayton having to guard LaMelo Ball and just spread the floor out, his quickness will go by him and any other big in the league. I don't care who the fuck it is. So yep. uh, you're going to take Suns on behalf of Matthew. I'm going to take Suns as well. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, and I think on that note, we are officially done with this here podcast. Again, Brandon, Suns Geek, thank you ever so much for coming and joining and helping out while Matthew is out sick with a migraine. Uh, I appreciate it. I know he appreciates it. And I know our Jamsters appreciate it, too. You know, you make such great content over there on your Suns Geek YouTube channel thank and you. inspired thank us you. to start a podcast. So we thank you for that. Um, this is a reminder to everybody who is watching in the chat. Please subscribe if you're on YouTube. Go ahead and hit the thumbs up button and subscribe. Get us to 1,000 uh, followers. If you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, please subscribe, rate, and review. You can follow me at Suns, or you can follow me at Darth Voida. Follow the show at Suns Jam. And Brandon, tell everybody where they can follow you and find all your fantastic content. Yeah, you know, once again, thank you so much for having me as always. I'd love to come on as much as possible on the show because you guys do great work. You guys are on the rise, almost at a thousand subscribers. Absolutely incredible. Hulk smash the like button, everybody, on this podcast you guys can find me at suns geek on twitter and instagram just search suns geek and it'll pop up and then on my suns geek youtube channel i try to go live as much as possible but i'm always putting out videos i mean it's rare if i go like a week without putting out videos but please subscribe i'd really appreciate it and john thank you thank you thank you so much for having me man it's always an honor this was a no. great great podcast Always much appreciated, man. Much appreciated. Uh, if you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, have a great night and um, you know, just, or, or day or whenever you're listening to this. If you're watching along live, uh, the Valley podcast just popped in here and said, yes, sir, they're starting up soon. Yep. So if you want to continue uh, with some fantastic Suns pod, uh, uh, content, go over there and watch them. And look at even Matthew Lissy's in the chat. And he hey, says, Hey, feel better, Matt. <laughs> and what, what's he say right there? He says, go home and love your family. So mm -hmm. there you go. Thank you, Suns fans, for joining us. Have a great night. We'll see you on Sunday at noon. Take care, everybody. Go home. You love your family.